the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, we're throwing it back to a presentation from MaxLawCon 2019. Orlando criminal defense lawyer William Umansky shares his presentation, Opposing Counsel. Let's get to it. So, is your opposing counsel an ass? And I'm going to need a little bit of audience participation, if you will, okay? I'd like you guys to raise your left hand if you've ever dealt with an opposing counsel who's a complete ass. Good. That's good. I'd like you to keep your left hand up, though. It's not a little game just to keep you awake. Have you ever had a confrontation during a deposition, hearing, or trial, a real confrontation with opposing counsel? Raise your right hand. This is the easy part. Now, who's brave enough to admit, have you ever had a situation where you wanted to beat the shit and choke opposing counsel? Stand up. And you just stand up. Those who are not standing up either are not litigators or they're transactional. I don't litigate that much anymore, but keep standing. Okay, good. Because we're going to go over three tips in the next 10 minutes. I'm going to let you guys out of here. You sit down. Three tips that I really want you guys to focus on. One is going to be, you know, when you're involved in a situation with opposing counsel, this is important. Have perspective of why opposing counsel is acting that way and owning your own actions. Two, you're going to forge communication outside of that case. And three, this is important, after that case is over, you're going to develop a very, very long bond that lasts way outside of that case. And if you do those three things, there's going to be a good chance you're going to turn that enemy into a lifelong referral source. So I'm going to come down because I hate talking up here. Gary, can you come up? So Gary is my story for today because Gary's an accomplished trial lawyer multi-million dollar verdicts. He's great and everything. He also looks like an ass. Sorry, Gary. So just imagine Friday afternoon. Is anyone from Florida? Okay. Anyone been to Florida? All right. I'm from Orlando and there's Tampa. There's lawyers on both sides of the coast and I have a slip and fall deposition and, uh, <laughs> and it's in the middle of the state. Citrus, Lake County. I don't want to insult anyone here. It's from Lake County. I know, guy. So we do a depot Friday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. This is years ago. Now, you can imagine if you set a depot Friday after 3 o'clock for you experienced litigators, what you might already be thinking. You think, what are you thinking? Anyone thinking anything? 
So we come to a library, and we have this, uh, I, I bring my brand new law clerk, and my wife's here, I'm sorry, but she's a brand new law clerk, referred by family, friends, she had never seen a depot, she's a first year law student, I'm taking her over there, I have a huge ass binder to ask questions at a Friday at three o'clock deposition of their general manager, because I'm trying to establish liability on my slip and fall case. And this law clerk, never seen anything. She prepared me for the depot. You know, I want to show her that I know what I'm doing. So I get into the depot Friday, and I sit down in the library, and I have the binder, and it's going pretty well. I'm asking questions. We're trying to establish liability. And about an hour into the depot, it's now 4 o'clock. Those of you who practice personal injury, you may know, even as a plaintiff lawyer, an hour already for a depot for a general manager. I'm not sure. The opposing counsel, who's a little taller than Gary, uh, says to me, I gotta use the bathroom. So, like, I'm like, all right, we're in a depot. He's gotta use the bathroom. That's normal. It's around four o'clock and trying to wrap stuff up, supposedly. And he's kind of nasty. I don't really care. You know, yeah, we'll take the depot. But on his way out, he gives me a parting shot. And he says, Mr. Umansky, whenever I see a lawyer with a big binder, I see a lawyer who's scared of his own shadow. Anyone ever have big binders when they prepare for stuff? Okay, so this is really bad, though. So I'm sitting there, and I hear laughter over my right shoulder, and it's my effing law clerk. Yeah. No, 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 she's actually a sex prosecutor in St. Pete. She's great, but I'd hire her now and pay her less, but I, I didn't hire her, but I couldn't even look over my right shoulder. I mean, I was embarrassed, and that original heat then started turning into something more. You know, I started getting angry and pissed, because I was, I was pissed. I was angry, mad, and I, I really didn't know why at the time. So he goes off to the bathroom, and now I'll use Gary. Gary, can we turn around together? I'm a little smaller, and we're standing at the urinal, and I do what two men should never do in a urinal. You look at my microphone. I look down. <laughs> I look down, and I gave that mother, you know what, and I started going after it, everything. His family, why would you embarrass me in front of my law clerk? I mean, uh, <laughs> he's getting red in the face, and he's, <laughs> and he's just pissed because I'm going, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not allowed to curse supposedly, but I'm calling him a fucking asshole and all this other stuff, and he wants to kill me. So we get back in that depot, it's like 4.30, and the shit is on. Like, every time I'm asking a question, the guy's going nuts, like objections, speaking objections, which you know are unethical, at least in Florida. He's just going crazy. The good thing is his, his client, the general manager, the general manager was kind of like, was flustered by us because we were going nuts. We hated each other and gave me some good points on liability, despite all the bullshit objections the guy raised. So that was great. So I walk out of there and, you know, I'm on my way home. And this is the serious point about that. My law clerk's with me. I'm feeling really good. I got that guy back. I'm good. I'm blah, blah, blah. But as I'm driving home, and this, this really was the part that got to me and, and changed a lot of things for me. I didn't feel good, right? I mean, have you ever, like, blown up at opposing counsel and just, guy, have you ever blown up at opposing counsel? You're such a calm, zen guy. Is there one person in here, yeah, who's blown up at opposing counsel and then you don't feel good about it, Right? So I think what was important about that was that I started thinking about why that was, you know, why I was upset. 
Why did I get angry? And it's really simple. He made me feel small, right? Because I felt small. He was actually right at the time. That fuck. But he was right. But, sorry, she said, she knows it. She, she, she hears that a lot from you, she told me. <laughs> and she called me weird, but she does hear that from daddy's mouth, so. Jim, Jim Hacking has a potty mouth, apparently. Okay. Just trying to be authentic. So, but what happened with that was I also started to gain perspective of his own actions. And um, I started thinking to myself, why was he acting the way he was acting? And this is important in our engagement with opposing counsel. Because he was just trying to get home to his family. And I play poker so I can size people up pretty well. And I did size it up. I mean, I heard him about his family and everything. But that's really what was happening. I had scheduled a depot at 3 Friday afternoon. And he just wanted to get home to his wife and kids. So he acted like an ass. He wasn't an ass, maybe. He just was a guy who was having a bad day, wanted to get home with some younger attorney at the time I was younger. And he just wanted to get home. So that's the first thing, is that when you're engaged in that conversation with someone, I know there's complete asses out there, and you're all perfect, and you don't do anything wrong. But there are times when you engage in conversation with someone, you get into a battle and a confrontation where you've got to look at your own actions and gain perspective of the other side. So what did I do when I got home? And this is important because I think it's important to realize how we resolve that case. I sent him an email the next day. Now, if he had just forwarded that email to the Florida bar, I would have been in trouble because I apologized. I said, you know, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have cursed. I shouldn't have launched on your family. And I mean, I launched on everything you can imagine, including when I looked down at him. Uh, the, and the funny thing is, it wasn't, well, I'm not going to say it. But <laughs> I, I just got to be appropriate. So. But anyway, but I, I, you know, I started reaching out to him. And what I did was, I sent him that email to, to basically apologize. But then I got on the phone to call him. And I wasn't worried about, like, getting reported to a bar or anything. But I wanted to tell him, you know, look, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done those things. I didn't focus on his behavior. And I just said it was wrong. And to my surprise, I got an email back where he said to me, I'm sorry. I acted like a jerk. I shouldn't have said those things. And what was neat about that was that we engaged a conversation. And what was really, really cool is we had an upcoming depot of our client that we rescheduled. And I said to him, listen, let's schedule the depot at a time where you and I can get drinks and dinner after. And don't worry, I'm not going to pay for you, your insurance defense lawyer, blah, blah, blah. But let's just go out and get dinner. So we had that depot. I prepped my client. I could just tell you the depot didn't go well. She had surgery on a slip and fall case, but by the end of the depot, he had her walking around the room, showing her shoulder and everything. It was a bad depot. I caught her in some lies. I thought I prepped her well, but apparently I wasn't too good at prepping. But we were able to get dinner that night and talk about the bathroom, talk about the depot, talk about the law clerk, talk about the depot of my client. And we had so much fun. We mediated the case a couple months later. I settled it for buck twenty-five. It was okay. It was a shoulder surgery, a scope. He probably could have settled for less, maybe a little more. And I think he did give me the money because he liked me. Even though I scored points with his client, he really did a, a job on my, on my client. So the most important thing, though, and this is what I want to get across to you, is after that deposition was over, and I can't tell you how important this is, because 
you will run into assholes, right? But this person, I started following him on social media, and his kids graduated college. I was there with a note for them. You know, who, who writes just comments and posts? Do you go the extra step and, like, write a hand card or a note or a text even? Because you should. So I wrote him a note when his kids graduated. And then what was even neater about that was when he became managing partner of a very large firm on the West Coast, which is an insurance defense firm, I was there with a bottle of whiskey. And some of you lawyers who refer me cases know that I should have sent you a bottle of something, you know, whatever, or a note or something. But I was there saying a letter, like, congratulations. The last thing he did was he, that we had touch with that was amazing for us is he became president of his bar association, which I didn't knew, knew none of this. And I drove over from Orlando as a surprise. And he didn't even know. Can you imagine he's in Tampa and I just show up and I'm there, shook his hand. He was so impressed, I didn't tell him. So what do you think he got out of that exchange since the case was over and I already got money out of him? What do you think? What do you think he got out of that, that he knew I was still staying in touch with him year after year? Yeah, so he felt like I didn't use him for that case. There was validation. He felt like I was building a connection beyond that case. And here's the key, guys. Whenever you have that relationship, what was amazing about that relationship, I never had a case with him again, ever, ever. But what I did have, and what's really important, was that we had other cases with his firm, with other lawyers that were reputed to be insurance jerks, difficult to deal with, I would always send an email saying, hey, we got a, a case with you guys. And we never had a problem with any of those other lawyers, ever. And I, I, it struck me at the time, like, I could have taken the short-sighted version of that, the guy's a complete jerk. But I took the extra step to stay in touch with him and connect. So really, the next time you have someone like this, I want you to focus in your own practices. The next time you're ready to launch on someone, try really to look at their behavior and why they're acting that way. I know there are people you can't change, but even if you have someone who's got a bad reputation, take that extra step, slow down, look at your own actions, and think about their perspective. And forge communication outside of that case. Talk about anything, family, kids, interests, something that survives that case. And then stay in touch with them. That guy referred me criminal cases until he recently retired. He referred me some small auto cases. When I was on the grievance committee, he wrote a letter of recommendation. I didn't even ask for the Florida Bar to get me as chairman of the grievance committee. He did a lot of stuff for us. And he was a terrific person who was just having a bad day. And this is the ultimate outcome. That's not him. No one else will hug me, so I took one of my associates who is taller than me and is six foot six. But if you do these things, I know it'll always be difficult, but I can assure you, your practice is going to change. It's good for your family. It's good for your firm. It's good for your professional status. And we live in a professional, we live just constant stressful lives, right? So if you can really, really make a friend out of an enemy, you're just better suited. So I hope that makes sense, guys. Now we go drink, right? All right. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.